I saw the headline this week and it captured my attention and I, and I wrote it down. <clears throat> it said, the ultra rich are investing in companies trying to reverse aging. It was an article about how Jeff Bezos of Amazon fame, uh, Peter Thiel of uh, PayPal, and Larry Ellison, co-founder of Oracle, have uh, poured billions and billions of dollars into research to hopefully reverse aging. I was startled by that. It was even said that they wanted, quote, to extend the human health span by unburdening it of the disease of aging. An interesting secular worldly concept and a worldly secular desire that is completely counter to Scripture which says that it is appointed. It's not debatable. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. What these and others of that ilk are most fearful of is is dying. To be so heavily vested in the things of of this world and having hit all the the bullet points, all the measurable points of, of success according to the world. Why would you not fear death most of all? Interestingly, that is the very thing that that Jesus came to resolve, that that slavery, that feeling, that sense of being enslaved by, by the fear of death. In fact, the author of Hebrews would say it this way, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that is Christ, he himself likewise also partook of the same. So that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil and free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. That's why Paul would write in the Galatian letter in chapter 5, verse 1, that it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. That is a fear of death that enslaves the multitudes. What I want us to do this morning as we, as we come to the, to the commemoration of the Lord's Supper, the celebration of the Lord's Supper, this, this communion, I hope that, that we are mindful this morning that what we are doing as we come to Corinthian letter, to 1 Corinthians in chapter 11, that in this chapter, we find the very spirit that is to characterize us as, as a people of God. That we are not enslaved by a spirit of fear, this fear that, that is rooted in, in the thought of, of death. This preoccupation that, that dominates and captivates our mind, especially those that are most vested in the things of of this world? How do we hold on to what we have? Hold on to what we ultimately, how do we bypass and forego that which we ultimately know is going to happen? Our own demise and our own death. 
And so there is a different spirit as we, as we come to this, to this table, so to speak, as we come to this event of partaking of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, it captures for us a different spirit. A spirit by which we as the followers of Christ are to pursue and seek and live our lives. It is a spirit that is a, it is a complete antithesis to the spirit of this world that is enslaved by fear. I want to read this passage. We will read through uh, this passage discussing the Lord's Supper in chapter 11 of the first Corinthian letter. He says in verse 23, for, for I received from the Lord, Paul writes, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, in the face of his own death, he was still abiding in a spirit of thanksgiving. A spirit of gratitude. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, that's what the spirit of the living Christ, the resurrected Christ, when you and I commit ourselves to following after him, it is a different spirit by which we live our lives instead of those that, that would waste billions and billions and billions of dollars seeking answers to the reversing of the aging process. <laughs> what a contrast to see someone who is just hours from death going forward in whatever life might hold, going forward, forward with the spirit of thanksgiving. There's another spirit that is to characterize our lives in this, in this broken world, and that is this spirit of brokenness. See it again that when Jesus had taken the bread, you have to envision this, Jesus at this table, reclining at this table with his disciples, and he's taken this, this loaf of bread. And having given thanks, he, he broke it. Envision that in your mind. He, he broke this, and he said, this is my body. This is my body body. My body is, is being broken. My body will be broken. And as he's moving closer to the cross event, as he is moving closer to this, that will become our redemption. Even though his body will be broken, even though his life is going to end, he still does so with this, with this spirit of, of thanksgiving. You know, it's a truism that life will eventually get you to a place the church is trying to take you. That is to a place of dependence, utter dependence upon the Lord. It's easy to say the words, oh, Christ has, has broken me. We, we can all use that rhetoric, that's very spiritualized rhetoric, oh, the Lord has, has broken me. But you really haven't experienced brokenness until life finally breaks you. Until something and things start happening in your life through the aging process. 
As you face disease, as you face heartache, as you, as you, as you face disappointment in life, when, when life just constantly keeps hitting you in the mouth and, and beating you down, we realize that this world is a broken place. That there is no vibrancy, there is no vitality, there is no eternal life no vividness of life that this world can possibly offer. It's a world that is broken. If we haven't learned that the past two and a half, three years, when will we? If anything should have evoked no confidence whatsoever in the flesh, no confidence in this world, it's what has transpired the past two and a half years in this pandemic. And yet people have become angry, they have become short-tempered, they have become emotionally childish, all in this continued grasp to try to control everything, to create a perfect world, a perfect environment where we will never be threatened. It's an exercise in futility. Hopefully what happens, and for most of us, as life breaks you, as you age, you become more humble. You become more gracious, more forgiving. As you approach the end of life, you just, you just find yourself being more gracious. Look at Jesus. Hours from his own death, sitting around a table with those that will disappoint him, one that will betray him. All of them will betray him in one way or another. And yet here he is being gracious and pouring into them and giving to them something that will continue through the ages until he returns again. It's a spirit of brokenness that makes us a kinder, gentler, gracious people. But there's another spirit, I'm sure you've, you've recognized it already, not just a spirit of thanksgiving and brokenness, but a spirit of, of sacrifice that is to characterize our lives as, as followers of Christ. He says there in verse 24, this is my body, which is for you. Now let that sink in, church, the body of Christ to the world, this is my body, which is for you. Not self-glorification, not self-preservation, but a pouring out of ourselves because I belong to you, my body, which is for you. A spirit of sacrifice, a spirit of selflessness, now, we have to think about this in the context of our culture. Ours is a culture. And listen, it has made its way into the church. We are so inundated by the culture that, that, we, can, that we can find ourselves being molded and fashioned by, by the opinions and the ideas and the beliefs and the systems of the world. Ours is a culture that says, what's in it for me? What is it that's going to have everybody looking at me? How many likes can I get? How many retweets can I get? 
What can I do that gets attention drawn to me? We're in a strange time, are we not? That's an understatement, isn't it? It's interesting talking to employers. Talk about, talk about the difficulties of, of finding employees who have difficulty finding employees who, who will show up even on the first day when they've been hired. But for those that do show up, want to be recognized and applauded for showing up and doing their job. I don't know why we would be surprised by that when we have raised up a participation trophy generation. When everyone is given the same recognition, the same reward for just showing up, for just participating. Heard Joey McGuire, our head football coach at Tech, say at a team meeting, he made it very clear to the team, you will, you will receive no, no applause from me for doing the expected. When you run, you're just doing what's expected. When you tackle, you're just doing what's expected. When you catch the ball, you're just doing what's expected. That's why you were brought here. I will not applaud the expected. I will applaud the extraordinary. Sacrifice. A spirit of sacrifice. Selflessness that pours itself out for the greater good. But there's, there's another here, another spirit that, that is evident. And he says it twice. You've seen it already. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. He'll say, take and drink. Instead of blood on, a, on an altar, Blood, blood that transforms the human heart. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. And the spirit of remembrance by which we do this and the remembrance by which we do our lives, when we, when we meet adversity, when we meet hardship, when we aren't getting the accolades and the applause that from the human perspective we all desire. Remember, isn't all of life just a matter of perspective? Remember the life of Jesus. Remember the selflessness of Jesus. Remember the sacrifice of Jesus, the death of Jesus. Remember the suffering of, of Jesus. When we remember all of these things in the light of who he is, of what he endured in, in life, puts things in, in its proper perspective. And what we are called to remember isn't just for the sake of a preoccupation with the past. But it's the hopeful anticipation of the future. Because you see, that, that's what motivated Jesus. It's not what this present life had to offer him, but, but him who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We remember in our times of hardship. We remember in our times of affliction. We remember in our times of suffering. 
that there is a joy that is coming. That there is a reality coming that this world cannot offer. And so Jesus took the bread. He took the loaf and having broke it. He took it and passed it to his disciples. He said, take this and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Jesus then took the cup. And he said, this is my blood, which is shed for the remission of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And when we depart, let us depart remembering. Our Father, how grateful we are for the modeled life, the model of sacrifice, the model of faith that we are called to embrace as the followers of Christ. Father, in this, in this secular and godless world that has its own culture that is self-aggrandizing and seeks self-glorification, Father, I pray that we as your people would be characterized by, by another kind of spirit, a spirit of, of thanksgiving, gratitude, appreciation for the gift of life that is ours. A spirit of brokenness that, that is always humble and gracious towards others. A spirit that is self-giving, sacrificial, that others might be, be lifted up, that you might be glorified. And that we would always be a people who remember and never forget as we continue into the future of this of this Savior, this Lord, this God that is making all things new. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.